Dr. Carol Ison Barnes, host of the Career Couch with Dr. Carol and Friends. This is episode two on the topic of retiming your future. Today, we are continuing the conversation on creating a vision about how you, as a worker, want to spend your time in the future. As I stated last week, this podcast episode is not a financial seminar about dollars and cents, but rather a discussion about growth and reinvention as you plan your future. Dr. Corey Deal, my friend, guest, and PhD cohort member from over a decade ago, is returning to the career couch to discuss what she has termed retirement. Corey, an IFC credential coach, employs a strength-based approach to facilitation and coaching using evidence-based techniques from the fields of futures study and positive psychology. Before turning her professional aspirations to the field of leadership development and coaching, Corey held senior leadership positions in top-tier consulting firms, financial service organizations, and the telecommunications industry. Corey earned a PhD in leadership and change from Antioch University, an MBA from the George Washington University, and her BS from the University of Virginia. Corey, last week we talked about retirement and its significance in our lives. So I'm so happy that you are returning to continue this discussion. But for those of you who missed episode one, I encourage you to return and listen to that episode. So, Corey, thank you and welcome again. And I appreciate you returning today. Thanks very much. It's fun to be back on the couch. All right. Let's change gears and bring this conversation into the workplace. Let's talk about the worker, for example, whose personal identity is linked with their career identity. And that person's future vision is to remain on the job. But because there is an association of loss and decline with aging, and we talked about this a little bit in episode one, there's this perception that as individuals decline with age, productivity will also decline with age. How can organizations be fair to all employees, adhere to the regulatory requirements, and ensure that the workplace is productive while allowing older workers to realize their income-producing vision? That, my dear friend Carol, is a huge question, and I think we could both be incredibly wealthy if we could solve this problem. You know, as you as you well know, organizations have a lot of stakeholders that they are beholden to. Uh, the financial bottom line, their stakeholders, their employees. Climate is a, a significant bottom line driver of organizations these days. Answering and making all of those stakeholders happy is going to be a challenge. I think the, as we've seen, people are challenged with it. Uh, The shift in the social contract, what used to be a social contract with employees and employers, where if I do a good job, I will have a long and lasting career with you until I decide to leave. As we mentioned last time, that contract no longer is in place. And it's more of a transaction-based pay-for-hire. I can, I'll pay you for as long as I have worked for you, no matter what age you are. And when I no longer need you, our contract 
is dissolved. So many, uh, I live in Virginia and we have a right to work state here. So literally someone could come in five minutes from now and tell me my services were no longer needed at a job that I've worked at for 20 years. So this social contract between employer and employee has changed. I do believe because of that, more and more responsibility is shifting to the employee. When I was doing my research for my PhD, back in those halcyon days of big thinking, uh, I came across the concept of a protein career that is totally driven by the employee. For instance, I was a finance person when I first started out uh, and got into a very traditional finance and accounting role and followed the track that was laid out to me for me by the company. I'm a financial analyst. Now I'm a team leader. Now I'm a manager. Now I'm a director. Now I'm an executive director, maybe all the way to the rank of managing partner of a big firm. A very traditional path that is different from a protein career because it was designed, defined by the corporation. In the protein career, I look at myself as someone who has skills, expertise, desires in the world of finance and accounting. Where do I need to go to build skills in this area? Perhaps I decide I need skills in treasury. Maybe that's in this corporation. Maybe it's not. Maybe I need to spend time in mergers and acquisitions. The, The point of it is I, as the employee, take charge of my own career build my own resume based on what, how I identify myself as a finance person and less how you identify you, the corporation identify me as someone who's in a finance track. So where does that leave us? Significant shifting of responsibility to the, to the employee to envision and produce their own financial security a requirement to certainly make sure your skills are 21st century skills for 21st century jobs and beyond. Um, I certainly have skills that would, I used to be a wizard at a 10 key calculator. Very few jobs that would require that of me these days. So knowing that it is my responsibility to change and to grow and not necessarily my corporations or my boss's job to make sure they have a good fit for me is in many ways very freeing. I am in charge. I can choose. Oh, by the way, I don't want to be in finance and accounting anymore. Okay. Then where do you want to go, Corey? So we're in weird times, uh, primarily as I think because of this social contract that no longer exists where I could work for the same company for my lifetime. That you raised a point or, or something in, in my head that I, I want to say, and that is as we own this as workers, right, as we own our careers, as we own our future, as we own our retirement and our retirement, part of that ownership means keeping yourself uh, up to date, keeping your skills up to date, making sure that you have skills that are in demand. And if you do not have those skills that are in demand, getting the proper training and education that you need. I know so many friends in my age group who 
you know, do not know how to use a computer successfully. And you have to be current. You have to be current with the skills. I would think it would be very difficult to plan your future strategically if you are not current with the skills, especially if you're part of your plan is to continue working. That plan will fall flat if you don't have the current skills that an employer desires. And so I think that is also part of owning it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's really well said. I have advanced degrees. I have a CPA certification from back in the day. And all of those were entry level passes to my job. I had to keep learning, keep learning, keep learning, keep learning. You get to a point where if you're not learning every day, let me say I got to a point where if I'm not learning every day, that's a really interesting signal to me that maybe it's time to look someplace else. Like you said, you have to be a lifelong learner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got to keep your brain oiled and working. So it's a, um, there's a gentleman, uh, Mihail Csikszentmihalyi, who wrote, studied and wrote about this concept called flow, F-L-O-W. And he found in his investigation of people who were at the top of their game, artists, musicians, uh, whatever their the top of their game was, that they took great joy in continuing to learn. He asked one of the great cellists one time, why do you keep practicing? And this gentleman had made his living being the premier cellist in the world because I still can get it right. I can still get it better. Mm-hmm. So I am keep I keep practicing because it can still be better. It can still be more of me bringing to this piece of music or this piece of artwork. And that space of learning, that space where the challenge is just beyond my current level of skills is like putting me into a a light plug and charging up my battery. It's amazing what learning can do for somebody who's downhearted, who feels bored, who feels anxious. You know, I come across people like this in my coaching career a lot. People are just, I'm just so, I'm just so bored. And one of my questions is, when was the last time you learned something? Mm -hmm. I haven't learned anything in a year. (laughs) good sign to me that we need to be talking about your future and where do you want to take it? Because if I'm bored today and I don't change anything, I can pretty well assure you, you're going to be bored tomorrow times two. Yeah. So, you know, occasionally an employee can do everything right. And, but they get laid off or they get pushed out or they get reorganized out of the organization. And sometimes it's a result of age. It can be age discrimination because some people think that's not real. Age discrimination is very real. Why do you think it happens? You know, why do you think that happens though? Do you think it's because like we discussed last week, there's a perception of decline at a certain age, which causes people to be laid off, pushed out, reorganized out of the you know organization? I I think that that certainly goes into some decisions that this person, because of their age, is no longer capable of doing the job. I think in other, which may or may not be true, 
In other cases, they may say, you know, this is a financial decision. Uh, you have been essentially, you, you may have heard of people who have one year of experience 20 times over. This is the person that's been in the same job for 20 years. They've gotten raises every year for each of the 20 years, maybe not, you know, more than one or 2% these days a year. But at the end of the day, if I'm a sound financial manager of that corporation, I say, you know what, I can bring somebody in with a year's worth of experience and pay them half of what I'm paying you. So the decisions why they feel cruel and heartless on some areas are can be made for really good, solid reasons. And in that case, it goes back to your skills haven't kept up or, you know, you've stayed too long at the dance uh, and they're, you've gotten too expensive. Well, speaking of staying too long at the dance, let's talk about retirement. When is it time to go? When is it time to say, you know, I've overshot my career exit or is it ever time to say that? I think there is no one answer to say what is my perfect, what is anyone's perfect time to get out of their career uh, or to make a big change of any kind. The questions that I ask in my coaching conversations go something like this. Where are you still feeling productive? Where are you still contributing? Where are you still learning? Where do you feel stuck? Where do you feel energized? You know, I mentioned do my 20th century skills fit the 21st century workforce? The idea, if we are all living, growing beings, is that we are going to be happier at that. We are going to be emotionally more resilient if we are doing things that make us feel more productive and make us feel like a good fit in the organization. So while I don't think there's one time to say uh, at this point I have overshot my career, I think you can learn a lot by reflecting on some of these questions that I've just asked. Am I still happy here? If you can't say I'm happy or if you dread going to work every day, there's a huge message that's being sent to you that from inside, some of your own narrative that says something isn't right here and I need to fix it. Well, speaking of narratives, do you th- do you feel people create internal narratives and we tell ourselves the stories that we need to believe in to keep working longer, sometimes beyond our career spans, even when our careers have declined, they truly have declined, and we truly cease to perform productively? Sure. I think there are some folks who um, are, the belief is Maybe it even goes back to childhood. I believe I'm supposed to have the job for 30 or 40 years. I'm supposed to retire from it. I need to do everything I can do within my power, come hell or high water, to stay in this job. And that becomes the primary motivating force, staying in the job. But there's so much that's missing from other narratives that you might be having with yourself. Where could I be happier? Where could I be more productive? Where could I offer value in a way that's not even perceived or acknowledged here? The identity that people get hung up with in terms of their their jobs, it happens a lot. Uh, I see it a lot in my coaching practice. People who've gotten to pretty senior levels in their organization. I'm a VP of finance of XYZ Corporation. That's who I am. That's Everybody knows me as that. 
I can't possibly be anything else. I can't imagine being anything else. Think of all the limiting beliefs that those kind of narratives that that person is telling me, all the limiting beliefs that stop them from thinking about the possibilities. I remember working with one gentleman. I may have shared this story with you, Carol, before. So, uh, but he had he had gotten caught up in a merger and acquisition, and as a result, his title had been changed from vice president to executive director. And he came to coaching, and he was like, "I need to get back to that title. I need that vice presidential job." I'm so angry, so angry that this merger had left him in what he perceived to be less of a space, you know, less of a place of honor, if you will. And did his responsibilities change as well? Was he downsized? Probably not so much. Probably it was more title over anything else. But I asked him one day, uh, because I really could not get through this anger that he was feeling, I asked him, would you uh, go home and between now and the next time we chat, Think about what is so important about that title, that VP title. Why is that so important to you? And I really was asking him a question about what did he value about that title, that position? And we had a scheduled time to meet about three weeks later, four weeks later, as usual. And he called me two weeks later. I need to talk to you. Okay. He said, you've changed my life. First of all, I would take that with a grain of salt, (laughs) but I said, okay, tell me more. He said, there is nothing about that title I want. I don't want to, there's nothing about that job I want. They want me to be on the road four nights out of five. I want to be home on Tuesday night to go to my kid's birthday party. I want to be a soccer coach. I want to be a trainer. In the space of just asking that question, what is so important about that title and that job that you're just dying to get it back? You're so angry to get it back. Just asking the question gave him clarity about what he really, really wanted. And it just, it was like, I can relax. I can relax. I don't need to fight for that job. And he took himself off that high powered path, um, which my opinion might have killed him. What I know for sure is if he just stayed on that path, he would have missed lots of birthdays on Tuesday nights and Certainly. a ton of soccer games. So last I heard he was being, he was a trainer, love and life, did a lot of mentoring and was home for Tuesdays. <laughs> well, maybe he did change his life. And so as we talk about retirement and retirement, how should listeners begin to create a vision for their future? Like what things should they be doing now? What should their narratives be? When should, well, we already talked about when should they start, but what things should they be doing now? What should their narratives be? I like to start with this um, mind map concept. You know from our days at school that I'm a big mind map person. And the process that I ask people to do is to get out a piece of paper, maybe a big old poster board kind of piece of paper, and draw a circle in the middle of it and put my preferred self and put your name on it. And then draw spokes out from that circle and then draw little circles at the end of those spokes so you can imagine a hub and spoke kind of thing. I hope I'm describing that clearly enough. 
And in each one of those little circles, put an area of your life that you imagine is going to be important to you or is important to you. Financial stability is the first one that people often put on. Physical and mental well-being, another circle. Spiritual Spirituality, relationships, family. Sometimes people put geography. Um, whatever you think might be important to you in your future, give it a circle on this hub of your future self. And then start, dive into one. Try Pick one that feels particularly energizing and dive into it. I said, health and well-being. Okay, well, the first question on almost every circle would be, what does good look like? If you were living a healthy mind and body kind of existence, what would that look like? And getting a good picture. And then the next question, what's the first step toward it? The universe rewards movement. Inertia stops us, as we know. You keep moving if you're moving. So identifying what you want and then identifying the first step toward that, just huge in the breakthrough thinking that you can have that changes your narrative. I now have a vision of where I want to go. And guess what? I now have an, uh, a first step toward it. And a map. And a map. You got a plan. I think that is great advice. And, you know, after listening to both of these sessions, here's my takeaway that biologically we can be young or we can be old for our chronological age, but also that being an older worker doesn't signal the end of working, but more so a career in a lifestyle transition with some planning um, where workers have multiple options. You can continue working, you know, maybe you work at a different pace. You can return to school and become a lifelong learner. And you don't have to go to school to be a lifelong learner. Let me just say that there's so many resources on the internet that you do not have to do that, but you can return to school and be a lifelong learner. You can change your career. You can venture and venture into entrepreneurship, which the both of us have done. You know, you can volunteer, do volunteer work, or you can simply just enjoy life if that is your retirement vision, or you can just mix it up. So I think, you know, that's the real takeaway from me is that, you know, those couple of things, but also planning and planning early is what I heard and planning it in conjunction with your planning for retirement. Is there anything else that you want to add to that? I think that was a wonderful summary, Carol. Thanks for that. And the idea that it's beyond just my financial security. You know, we probably have stories that we can tell of people who have all the money that they could ever possibly want and they're miserable. And somebody who's scratching to put it together day by day and they are the happiest, most fulfilled persons in the world. It's a choice in either case. And the choice is about being open to the possibilities, about stretching beyond what I currently know or have, about continually learning, being a being a baby, being a beginner sometimes is just a huge energizer. And we lose that capability as we get older. We we lose the rewards we get from trying. You know, when you watch little kids learning how to crawl or to walk, 
their parents are beside them every step of the way. Come on, come on, come on. And they get up on their knees. Okay, great job, great job. And then they pull themselves up on the couch. Oh, wow, what a wonderful job. Oh, look, he's going to walk. And then he walks. Oh, my gosh. You get applause for every step of the process while you're learning as a kid. And we don't give ourselves the space to learn as adults. It's just a sad state of affairs that we don't even allow ourselves the satisfaction of learning. We've written it out of our our stories that we tell ourselves. So if I was to leave anybody with a thought or a, a hope for their future, I would encourage them to think beyond what is expected. Think beyond what mom and dad did or big brother or big sister. Tap into what you want and go get it. That's excellent. I think that's a great place to close. That is excellent. Corey, thank you for joining me on the career couch for these past couple of weeks. I've enjoyed this discussion, Corey. Uh, For listeners who want to know more about retirement, they want to reach you. How can they do it? You can reach me at Corey Deal at AOL. Yes, I do have an AOL account. It's K-O-R-I-D-I-E-H-L at AOL.com. Put retirement in the subject line and I'll be sure to, to see it and get back to you. Wonderful. And listeners, you know how to reach me. You can reach me at carol at experienceleadership.com. You can also visit my website at experienceleadership.com. Corey, please come back again. This has been wonderful. This has been great. Thank you, my dear friend, Carol. You stay safe and well in these crazy times. Maybe the next time we can be on a couch in the same physical location. That would be lovely. That would be wonderful. Thank you. And I wish the same to you. Take care. Bye now.